0: Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings vet line. And now he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North.
1: Realistic Randy Rants on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. Happy Victory Monday to you. Realistic Randy and Declan Goff here coming at you uh, again on another Victory Monday. Our fifth Victory Monday, Randy. Fifth out of uh, six times we have done this show. Actually, every time we've done this show, technically, I believe on a Monday, we've had a Victory Monday. Because the last time we pre-recorded one was for the Eagles game on a Monday Night Football game. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. We don't pretend that nope. did not happen. We were not going to mention that they are probably the best team in the NFC. But that's a different story. We're going to talk about the Vikings here today. Um, so Realistic Randy. 5-1 and one on the season now. Another uh, sweat game in Miami, literally and figuratively. But Vikings pull out a W. They go into the bye week 5-1. and one. As you kind of uh, watched that game on Sunday and you've kind of now had five to six games to play with, what are your assessments so far of these 2022 Vikings?
0: Well, going back to yesterday's game, Declan Goff, if you remember last week during the recording, we talked about the Dolphins game. And I said, you know, if Tua is going to be out, and if Teddy's still going to be in concussion protocol, and I looked this up literally during the recording, I said, "Who's the third string quarterback, Skylar Thompson?" <laughs> I've never heard of this guy. We should dust the brakes off the Miami Dolphins, and then in preparation for the preview vid on my own YouTube channel, watching film on Skylar Thompson, I said, "Oh boy, okay, mm. if he gets time in the pocket, if there's no pass rush, especially on the play action bootlegs, so if he can." Divert the attention of the defense one way, while he goes the other, he can do some damage. And the more snaps that he played, the more comfortable that he got, averaging 13 yards per completion. And I want to say it was the second offensive drive for Miami to start that drive. The first three plays between Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, and Tyreek Hill, 55 yards. The first three plays that was a promising drive for them for a possible score. It got canceled out by the penalty, so the Vikings caught a break there. The Vikings' offense to start the game, MIA. About six minutes left in the first half. Miami outgained Minnesota in both time of possession and in yardage. But at that point, it was only a 3 nothing game. Vikings, they put together a prolific drive, Irv Smith Jr. touchdown to go up 7-3, and they led the rest of the way. Now, to start the second half, the Vikings, three straight three-and-out drives that's unacceptable the fourth drive they got the Adam Thielen touchdown followed by the missed extra point which by the way you know what (laughs) I know I said on this show that Greg Joseph I don't care anymore kickers can't do anything to me I'm dead inside I'm over it do whatever it is you want I'm starting to care we are in Blair Walsh territory right now when it comes to this guy forget the fact that 50 yards and out is an automatic waste of time for you. Okay, fine. But on top of that, you're going to miss extra points as well. That's a problem. That needs to be addressed. The Dolphins made it interesting, making it a 16-10 to game, but two turnovers in the fourth quarter. They just couldn't come back from that. And Justin Jefferson, with one of the most quiet games that you will see, one of the most quiet 100 yards game that you will see, because after the game, I said to myself, Yeah, he was all right. He had that wheel route, the 47 yard play to set up the Adam Thielen touchdown. I said, He was all right. Not great, not fantastic. I looked at the box score six catches for 107 yards. I said, Oh my God. Yeah. That's how great he is as a player, as far as the standards that he says to where, or the standards that he set for himself to where you see 100 yards, six catches, 107. I say, Oh, okay. Wow. Defense forced three turnovers. Zedari Smith. Patrick Jones, Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson all went off. It was an ugly win, but a win is a win. And at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. And going into the bye, the Vikings are 5-1. and one.
1: Yeah, let's start with on that defense too here for a minute, Randy, because I thought that was an encouraging performance. Now, to your point, two different quarterbacks mm-hmm. that Miami had to use they were without both starting tackles. I saw a PFF grade, I believe, for the left tackle today that was 1.1 in pass blocking. I didn't know that was possible for someone not named Garrett Bradbury as a tackle. Uh, but pretty terrible tackles that Miami was deploying yesterday, and the Vikings took advantage. That's what I think. That's what we've always wanted to see from this Vikings defense this season was we wanted to see a couple defensive ends, and Darius Smith and Neil Hunter obviously make their hay and have have their way with the quarterback. But then can other guys like maybe a Patrick Jones step in? I know they were without DJ Wanham yesterday, but DJ Wanham has has showed flashes this season. Could they figure out different ways to dial up pressure? Because this defense isn't going to all of a sudden snap out of it and and be like a Legion of Boom defense or be a defense that was really good in 2017 through 2019. But can they get creative at getting after the passer? And, and look, when you're without two tackles and you're playing two different quarterbacks throughout the course of the game, Bravo to the Vikings defense for being able to get after the quarterback. I think that was the thing I took away that I was most impressed with yesterday, even though it was a sloppy and kind of ugly win as the Vikings went to five and one. I thought the defensive line finally lived up to its potential and finally gave us something to be encouraged about going after uh, going out out of the bye week.
0: And I think the main thing is that with whether it's Patrick Jones or DJ Wanham, because the Smith is just dominating this season, five and a half sacks so far through six games. That's amazing. But I think because whether it's Patrick Jones or DJ Wanham, we have a second guy that can create some sort of pressure because Daniil Hunter has been so up and down this season that you can't really rely on him. And if we're going to continue this 3-4 base of a defense, you're going to have to expect pressure elsewhere. Whatever you get from Daniil Hunter is going to be a bonus. But the thing is, we have talent on the personnel for this defense. We have talent to be a really good defense, to be the fourth worst defense against the pass Mm -hmm. is really unacceptable. And I think a big thing for that too is regarding Miami, Greg Little is normally their right tackle for whatever reason. I guess because Teron Armstead was out for that game yesterday, they switched him from right tackle to left tackle. Yeesh. But I guess the main thing for me when it comes to this defense, you've got the talent, make the adjustments. Quarterbacks, whether it's damn near every quarterback that we've faced so far this season, Aaron Rodgers doesn't count because the Green Bay Packers are a mess. But Jarrett Goff, Andy Dalton, goodness, Jalen Hurts, Skylar Thompson before he got hurt. We're seeing these quarterbacks, damn near every quarterback, are they're having success against this defense, the shell zone defense to where they're just backpedaling. They don't know what's happening behind them because they're so focused at the quarterback and the line of scrimmage. The receivers, they're just running up and they're going to find the open holes in the zone Something needs to change there. But to your point, against the Dolphins, they did some damage, a ton of playmakers on the defense, and that was really good to see. But for me, the reckoning of the schedule is coming. (laughs) You're talking about a new level of competition that the Vikings are about to face. And I was going to save this for later, but I'm going to just bring it up right now. All right. Here's what I mean by this. So the Jets. The Jets, they won yesterday beating the Green Bay Packers, and head coach Robert Sala, he said in his post-game presser, as far as the halftime speech that he gave to his team, quote, just keep giving the Packers body blow after body blow. Keep hitting them in the mouth. We felt like if we kept talking them down to deeper water, they'll find out they can't swim. Though, that is what I'm afraid of, because whether it's, goodness, now all of a sudden the Jets, you've got. The Bills, you've got the Cowboys, you've got the Giants, the Cardinals, they're struggling. But Kyler Murray, that speed he brings to the table, can be could create problems for this Vikings defense. This is a new level of competition that you're about to face. You can't sit back during this bye week and say, All is well, we're five and one, just like Chris Boyd said, shut the F up. Everything's good. You can't just sit back and say, objectively, this is the team of collaboration, right? You can't sit back, watch every game leading up to the bye, come up with a game plan and say, we're just going to keep doing the same stuff. You can't because going up against the Saints with their backup quarterback, going up against the third string quarterback and then the backup quarterback in one game alone yesterday against Miami, these teams, these the weak level of competition that you're facing is not going to work the rest of the way. The good thing is, the encouraging thing is, this team, they haven't reached their peak yet. This team could still be better and as long as they do make adjustments both on defense and on offense that's the difference between okay we're going to make it into the playoffs or make a playoff run but yesterday very encouraging from the defense
1: just looking at the schedule too in those next four games out of the buy or five games i should say out of the buy so they're going to be home against kyler murray and the cardinals who are struggling but uh, i believe just made a trade too on monday afternoon for robbie, robbie anderson. anderson so they got yep. a nice new weapon for kyler murray which is solid um, and then after that, the Vikings will obviously go on the road at Washington. Maybe Carson Wentz, maybe Taylor Heineke, maybe whomever. I don't know at this point. I know I know Wentz is injured, and who knows three weeks from now. Maybe it's a different quarterback there. But then obviously the toughest game of the season in Buffalo. Now I think if the Vikings, let's say I, I they should win both these games out of the bye. Cardinals, Commanders. So let, let's say mm-hmm. that they win both those games out of the bye. Mm-hmm. That means the Vikings would be what seven and one. Yeah, cuz yep. they're 5-1. 7-1 going into Buffalo. And Buffalo probably also will be 7 and 1 at that point. That is a statement game. That is an opportunity to make a statement in in Buffalo. I don't believe the Vikings will be favored and that and I don't believe the Vikings will win in Buffalo, even if they are 7 and 1. But that is the first chance where, all right, is this team for real? They're winning sloppy and but they've beaten some bad teams. Can you go into probably the most hostile st- uh, stadium right now in the NFL against the best team, the Super Bowl favorites and get a win? Now, again, I think as of right now, that's going to be a loss on the Vikings schedule, but I'm not going to rule it out that that could be kind of a season-changing, pivotal-changing game for the Vikings when they go to the Buffalo Bills a month from now on November 13th.
0: And you know what? I'm with you. I think the Vikings, they lose that game no matter what, but if you can at least be competitive against the Bills on the road at their house, yeah. even in a loss, just be a tough out, that's all I need to see. That that A game like that, that is that's the type of confidence booster that this team needs the rest of the way because the rest of the schedule after that, you've got Dallas. That's gonna be a tough team. Mm-hmm. Bill Belichick and the Patriots, whether it's goodness, is it Mac Jones or Zappi, whoever <laughs> they've got at quarterback, yep. Bill Belichick leading the way, if you can get that win on Thanksgiving, that's gonna be cool. The Jets, you've got the Giants, maybe the Colts all all of a sudden can present some problems, but if you can at least make it a tough game, be competitive, because the thing that I'm afraid of, Declan Goff, is a repeat of week two against the Eagles going up against yeah. the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, he's going to win the MVP award. There's no question about it. It's, it's his award to lose. But, man, if you can make it a one-possession game, even in a loss, that's all I need to see. You need to hold your head up high because the rest of the way, you're golden.
1: Yeah, even the Cardinals game coming off the bye week, so the Cardinals are are struggling here. They're they're coming down to earth a little bit, but Kyler Murray's still a joystick. We brought up the yep. point that Robbie Anderson now he has another extra at target there. You know, the last thing you want as a Vikings fan is you you come out of the bye and you lay a dud at home, right? Like you you would love obviously to to start back after the bye week with the win against Arizona, but that one can't be taken lightly either because Kyler no, Murray man. has daggered this team and and just in general the Vikings defense, whether it's under Zimmer or even against Adonatel Ad here, they're going to struggle against a mobile quarterback. They just they always yep. seem to struggle against someone like that. So that game against the Cardinals at home is going to be honestly just as tough too because even though you're feeling good and you're riding the emotions going into the bye week, you're on top of the NFC North by a couple games, things uh, become a lot more heavier if you were to drop a noon home game against the Arizona Cardinals at U.S. Bank Stadium because that's the place where the Vikings, they, the guy bank wins here at home. I mean, I, I I really only see maybe one or two losses at home. And now that you're 5-1, and one, you can kind of even piecemeal things together. You can kind of like buy yourself a loss or two, but you can't honestly lay an egg after the bye week at home against the Cardinals. I think that'd be kind of a, just a, such a gut punch and a letdown for this team so far.
0: That's going to be a game where the offense has to keep up. They've got to keep their foot on the gas because I'm, I don't know at this point, I keep saying make adjustments on defense. I don't know if it's going to happen or I don't know if we're going to see improvements. So if that is the case... We saw what Jalen Hurts did to this defense. Kyler Murray is the exact same type of quarterback. So with that said, if the offense can just keep up the pace, you give yourselves a a chance. If not, if it's like what we've seen, especially yesterday, 10-3 and outs yesterday against the Dolphins, you can't do that against any other team and expect to win. If the offense is going to be stagnant at times, then going up against a team like Arizona right now, they're 2-4, and but they present problems to us. That could be a loss for us. So I think that's a big game as well, even though the record for Arizona says that, you know what, go ahead and take them lightly. Don't forget, yes, they just traded for Robbie Anderson, but DeAndre Hopkins is also returning from suspension. Yep. So if Kyler Murray is running around the pocket, getting outside, he has time, no one's getting to him. And, oh, by the way, the defense, the secondary, they're just looking forward. They don't know what's happening behind them. You've got Robbie Anderson, who's a good player, just a hothead, But also DeAndre Hopkins, who at his best is one of the one of the top receivers in the league with a quarterback like Kyler Murray. That's that means you have to expect that the defense is going to really struggle. So the offense has to really put all their effort into into really putting their foot on the gas, because if not, it's going to be a blowout.
1: Yeah, just looking also at the other games at home. So, yeah, Cowboys at home. That'll be a a, a 325 game uh, November 20th. That's a Sunday. And then they have a short week on Thanksgiving evening. They get the late game, which is great uh, for me personally, because I love Thanksgiving. It means I can end my day with Vikings playing football. Uh, but that's uh, on a short week as well. Still at home, but still Cowboys, probably going to be Dak Prescott. And then short week against the Patriots, even though New England's finally, I think, has looked you know vulnerable for the first time in basically 20-plus years Still, so you're going against Bill Belichick. Kevin O'Connell on a short week versus Bill Belichick. You still give the advantage to, to Belichick there every time. So there's probably going to be a loss here at home that we're maybe we're not expecting. Obviously, they have both New York teams also at home. They have the Jets on December 4th. They have the Giants on Christmas Eve. I mean, hell, both the Jets and Giants actually might be playoff teams for the first time in a long time. I think it's been like 12 years since both New York teams actually made the playoffs in their respective conferences. So the, the the schedule, as much as it easier it's get to five and one and maybe you can still get to obviously eleven five or you know, eleven twelve wins, you are probably gonna still drop one of these two at home, but I don't think you can drop more than two at home. I think you have to go in there and show like you can't lose a game at US Bank Stadium and get embarrassed because if the Vikings obviously get the NFC North and they host a wild card weekend game, um you you're, you're gonna wanna win that game at home and you're gonna wanna show that this is a hostile place to play. And I think it would just kind of send a message that other teams can go in there and beat them. So that'd be kind of my fear. I don't want you as a Viking, as a, as the a, as Vikings team as as constructed, to lose a home game to to one of these weaker or inferior opponents.
0: And with that skull chant, too, the energy that the fans bring to the table, it's an advantage for the Vikings to where you can force opposing teams, their offense, to go into. They can try the hard count, but it's probably not going to work. They're going to have to go silent count as long as the fans are loud enough. But man, to your point, the rest of the way, the teams that they're facing at US Bank Stadium. Arizona, Dallas, Patriots, Jets, Colts, Giants. And after that, you've got nothing but road games. That's a tough slate of games at home the rest of the way. But I guess the bigger picture is even if I don't want them to lose more than one or two games at home either the rest of the way. But even if they do, if we're just bringing it down to the base level, the NFC North division. I mean, my God, at the risk of looking like a complete idiot once the season is over with. The Green Bay Packers are a dumpster fire. They are a joke. Right now we're looking at, oh my gosh, should they play Jordan Love ahead of Aaron Rodgers right now? (laughs) Aaron Rodgers has regressed so much back-to-back MVP years to where on clutch downs where you need to make a play, his default position is, okay, I'm just going to lean back and heave it up and, okay, somebody's out there make a play. It's not good football. The Packers are a mess. The Bears, they're going to get a top five pick. The Lions, oh, my God, they have, what, one win right now? So if nothing else, even if they do drop a couple of games that you didn't expect, but at this point in time, what wins at home could you guarantee for the Vikings right now, unequivocally, because these teams that they have to face, Cardinals, Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, Giants, even the Colts, those are going to be some tough teams, even if they drop a couple of losses at home. If we're just saying, okay, let's dumb it down to the NFC North division, automatically get into the playoffs, they will win this division because no other team scares me right now. So even if you drop a game or two, it's not nothing to raise hell about, but just get your heads together for the next week.
1: Yeah, they're clearly now the favorites in the NFC North just because of of even honestly a math game at this point. You got two games up. Um, The Packers look vulnerable. The Vikings are are in the driver's seat here, even going into the bye week and things could cool off. But you bring up a good point about the home opponents here. So. The opponents uh, for the Vikings at home for the rest of the season are the Cardinals on the 30th, uh, the Cowboys on the 20th, the Patriots on four days rest after that. They still will remain at home against the Jets on December 4th. They are home against the Colts on the 18th, and then they close their home schedule against the Giants on Christmas Eve. I think you can make the oh, case man. that like all these games are like incredibly in the same bin in terms of like opponent tier. Um... I think the Colts game might be the most winnable but then this is where you fall into the trap right like that that's mm-hmm. where <laughs> that's where like we look at the Colts game and say oh yeah that's probably the automatic win and then you lose at home to the Jets like that's kind of right. how this ends up going so with these home with the with the home schedule still being favorable and a tough or a great place to play if you're a Vikings uh, team and a fan to go to all these games it's still a pretty tough sledding at home there isn't really a pushover remaining at home you already got the Lions and Bears out of the way so now it right. actually becomes pretty competitive when you're at home.
0: And I guess the one thing, the one encouraging thing to look at, objectively, you have teams that start off red hot, like the yeah. Philadelphia Eagles right now. There's always that one team, they go 7 8 no to start the season, and then the rest of the way they struggle a little bit. I would rather this team, now, I know it's pot calling the kettle black. But right now the Vikings, they're 5-1, and one, so technically that's a hot start as well, but it's been ugly. I think this is good. The rest of the way, the rest of this season, especially at home, the competition that they're going against, and it's not like they're going to get a break in between, especially at home. You've got team after team that's going to bring it. I think it's going to force this team to raise their level of play and coaching to where they go into this postseason. They go into the postseason hot. Instead of starting off hot right now, going up against the best teams in the league, and then it cools off, and okay, we'll just, hopefully, we'll pick up that magic in the beginning of the playoffs as the way we started the regular season. It doesn't always work that way. So I think this is really good. It's going to, going up against the toughest teams, it either is going to make you crumble or it's Mm going to bring the best out of you. And the fact that they're going to have to do it week after week after week at home against these teams. It's going to force the Vikings to be at their best. They're not at their peak right now, but I think these stretch of games is going to put them at their peak.
1: you looking at the road opponents. So obviously, we talked about the Buffalo Bills game. That one being tough. You obviously have to go to Lambeau on New Year's Day in the middle of the day. Okay. That's what that one's going to be tough. But also, like at Commanders, that doesn't scare me. Uh, at Detroit, that doesn't scare me. I'm guessing, even though Soldier Field's a house of whores for you historically, it's the last game of the year. Assuming the the Vikings probably have a playoff seed wrapped up by then, I don't know sure. if uh, you know they might be playing for seeding at that point. But I'm guessing, all things considered, you're probably clinching the North or clinching at least a playoff spot if you won in Lambeau on January first. So, uh, even though the Buffalo Bills game is going to be tough, but also a fun one as a statement to watch at Washington, at Detroit, at Chicago to end the year, not really things that scare me too much as a Vikings fans, famous last words. And if we could potentially expose this now in two months, if the Vikings end up falling on their face in those games, but it just seems like their road schedule is also becoming more favorable.
0: Yeah. And they're going to sweep the rest of the division the whole way. They're going to sweep the division for the entire year. Originally I talked about how, when we did our record prediction, we went game by game. I said, you know what the Vikings still split with the Packers. We both agreed that they would beat the Packers at home to start the year but at Lambo okay they'll go ahead and take that L the Packers are a mess so that's really the only opponent that say okay maybe there's a chance that we can take an L there it's not they're going to sweep the division for the year and then after that I mean the Packers they might not even make the playoffs as it stands right now NFC seeding the Packers are out the Rams are in the seventh seed and I guess if we're looking at it the rest of the way doing a doing a Another prediction or projection, now that we know what this team is about, the Minnesota Vikings, the Washington Commanders, I don't care who's at quarterback, it will be an ugly win. Kirk Cousins, he'll probably get extra motivated to prove his old team wrong again. They'll get the win there. Buffalo Bills, that's going to be a loss. Goodness, the Cowboys, I think they'll get the win there. They have a tough defense, but if you can really, and who knows if Cooper Rush, or Dak Prescott is going to be there at quarterback. Either way, you got to treat them the same because as the horror that exists for this team known as the backup quarterback, whoever suits up under center, you got to take them seriously. I'll say they'll get the win there in a tough win. Patriots. I say they'll win as well on Thanksgiving, even in a short week, the jets they're playing tough football, but Zach Wilson, I don't know what he's about yet. With that said, every quarterback has success against this defense, but Assuming that the level of the offense rises up to their max capacity, they should win there. Detroit Lions are going to win. The Colts, I think that's going to be that win or that win. I think that's going to be that game to where we say, wow, what happened? Even though they're going to be a tough opponent, I could see them losing that, and I could see them losing to the Giants as well. Saquon Barkley is having a hell of a renaissance in his career. He's returned back to his old form. So I could see them going up against the run, I don't know about that for us. Packers embarrassed to end the year. The Bears, like you said, if they're not playing for seeding, they're going to bench their players. The Vikings are, and then all of a sudden we'll see a run at Nick Mullins and company. So I, I think I think the Vikings are in good shape. But if nothing else, they're going to win. They can win this division, the NFC North, at nine and eight. That's how bad this division is outside of the Vikings. They can absolutely win it, regardless of how the rest of the schedule goes.
1: God, and, and like you know, nine and eight going into the season you've said hey it's gonna be guaranteed to nine wins how do you get there well you start five and one and then you'll go you know four, four and seven <laughs> yeah. the rest of the way it's like oh crap like i don't want that th- i don't want that to be the case but but we'll, we'll certainly see i think next week after we have another slate of football games with the vikings off i think you and i will formally pick the schedule the rest of the way i think that could be something fun we actually do okay. i know we're kind of teasing a little bit right here too but i think once we have another Weekly games and things that are in front of us more. Um, we'll be sure. able to kind of give a, a more accurate assessment of, of what's going on there. But yes, I, I, I think most of those games that you have, I, have a, I differ on a couple. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be an interesting little schedule here in the second half because I think statistically the Vikings have one of the easiest schedules uh, record-wise, opponent record-wise, going, going the rest of the way. But man, there's, no, there's not really a pushover. Like they're, they're, that's, what I'm, that's what I've been telling you the last 10 minutes. Like There's no pushover, yeah. home or away. Maybe the Lions? Maybe the Lions in Detroit, but outside of that, there isn't like a game that says, "Oh, thank, this will be absolutely easy." And the Bears game I'm yeah, I'm writing off cuz it's probably going to be the last game of the season, it's not going to matter. So, yeah, this will be this will be fun to watch, man, over the over the next few weeks and we won't have Vikings football on Sunday, but things should be pretty positive. Uh Randy, I really want to look here at the Vikings offense through the first 6 games versus league average stuff, and I want you to kind of okay. tell me if this is Going to be something that will trend in the right direction, as in the Vikings will get better in this category, or it should be staying the same? So let's let's start right here with points per game. So the Vikings are averaging 23.2 points per game this season. The NFL League is averaging 21 points. So they're averaging about a point and a half more uh, than the league average. Do you feel that this points per game is going to go up for the Vikings the rest of the way, or probably stay in about the same range?
0: I have hope that it's going to go up. This offense, they have the personnel to absolutely score 28 to 30 points per game. And I think maybe Kevin O'Connell right now, the super conservative play calling at times during yesterday's game put me off a bit. But I think because this is his first year as a head coach, he's going to get more comfortable calling more aggressive plays consistently. And I think in return, Kirk Cousins will get better as well. I don't think it's going to stay where it is right now at 23 a game. They have what it takes to score 28 to 30
1: on the flip side uh the vikings are allowing 19 points per game the actual nfl league is averaging 21 so this has been the classic bend not break so the vikings are technically allowing less than league average when it comes to points this season uh but man they are giving up they are giving up 384 yards per game which is 40 yards more than the average nfl defense do you think that the points per game goes up stays the same or actually gets better
0: I think the points per game allowed is going to go up. Let's yeah. look at their first six games, the quarterbacks that they've faced so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, he's a bad quarterback right now. Jalen Hurts, okay, they scored 24 points. They may have taken their foot off the gas as they had a comfortable lead, but the rest of the way, Jared Goff, Andy Dalton, goodness, Justin Fields, Skylar Thompson slash Teddy Bridgewater, those are all, outside of Jalen Hurts, those are all bad quarterbacks. So, of course, it favors the defense. The rest of the way, the quarterback tier goes up. Kyler Murray, he is overrated, but against this defense is going to create problems. Yep. Kyler Murray, Washington, I don't care who's that quarterback. Carson Wentz is terrible. I hope he plays because then that will ba- – if anything's going to bring the defense in a more favorable position as far as points allowed per game, let's say they give up a ton of points to Arizona to bring it back down to earth to where we can say, hey, the defense is still above average in terms of Points allowed per game is going to be Washington if Carson Wentz plays. But then you've got Josh Allen, the MVP. Cooper Rush, he had a bad game against Philly yesterday. He's still a good quarterback. And even if it's Dak Prescott, he's a good quarterback as well. The Patriots, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Zach Wilson to be determined. Jared Goff again. Man, I tell you what, Matt Ryan, the last couple of games for Indianapolis, he's looked really good. So maybe he's on a trajectory to go up for the rest of the year. Daniel Jones is looking pretty good. You're facing a better, you're bet you're facing a better tier of quarterbacks compared to the first six games of this season. I think the defensive points per game allowed is going to go up the rest of the way.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean the, the Josh Allen could carve you up, Kyler Murray could carve you up. Um... I'm just going to give Washington the benefit of the doubt that I don't think, they'll, whether it's Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, I don't think they'll necessarily carve you up. I know Wentz is throwing a crap ton of yards, but he's also Carson Wentz, and he'll throw a pick on the goal line because he can't, for whatever yep. reason, connect with a receiver that's a yard away. Uh, so I, I think that one should probably go up, and just when you're allowing 40 yards more than the average NFL team, but you're somehow... Only allowing two points less than the league average, I mean, it doesn't take any statistician to tell you that regression is probably going to happen there, and something's going to catch up to you in the middle. Uh, so yes, I, I do think the Vikings defense gets a little worse uh, right now. Randy, uh, the Vikings off, uh, excuse me, the Vikings defense is averaging a sack on eight point two pass attempts. So uh, eight eight point two percent of of pass attempts against them, the Vikings are getting a sack. Uh, the league average is six point nine. So they're doing, they're doing actually a little bit better, and yesterday probably skewed this number a little bit because they had like five sacks on both uh, um, Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. But do you think that the pressure rate, the sacks, the numbers of getting players after the quarterback, do you think that Zadarius Smith, Neil Hunter, those guys will actually end up getting after the quarterback more throughout uh, the, the season after the bye week?
0: I think they'll get after it more, and that's with the sole hope that daniel hunter can return to form because if you guys are smith who's absolutely balling right now and dj Wanham and patrick jones is second they're doing a good job of picking up where daniel hunter left off if hunter can return to form consistently because you got to remember i don't care what offensive tackles that he's facing daniel hunter was a cheat code in a 4-3 if He returns, to, and I just have to hope that he will. He cannot stay at this level of play. If he goes up, and I think even if he doesn't, I think they'll stay the same. But Daniel Hunter, I'm going to assume that he's going to get better as the year goes on. So the pressure rate will increase as a result.
1: On the offensive side, the Vikings rushing uh, as a team is averaging just 97 yards per game. The league average is 118 so this is more of a philosophy thing than I do think it's an ineffective thing. Um, so the Vikings are averaging about 20 less rushing yards as a team than than league average so far this season. Now Dalvin Cook had the explosive run that basically put the game away yesterday, which was great. He was completely ineffective, though, um, up until that play. But good for him. He busted out the big play. We've been waiting for a big run from like that, that from Dalvin Cook. But do you feel that with 4.2 yards per rush this season, which is pretty low as a team for the Vikings, that they start getting more of those chunk plays? Do you think the rushing gets up a little bit more in terms of yardage, or do you think because of the usage of them you know, wanting to pass all the time that this probably stays the same, but they will still be an effective team that can run the football?
0: I don't even know if the usage is to blame here as compared to the effectiveness of the running backs. And this goes into the assessment of the Vikings, what we know of them as a team, you have to use, at this point, a true running back by committee. Dalvin Cook is no longer the bell cow running back. And to your point, that 53-yard touchdown run, it was great. Before that, he was averaging less than two yards a carry. He's not the same guy. You've got to divide the reps, divide the snaps equally, I think, between Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, and until Ty Chandler's ready to return from injury, Kune and Wangu because at that point, the more that you run Dalvin Cook as the feature back, the more that he hurts the team. He just doesn't have that same spark anymore. So if they continue to use Dalvin Cook as the undisputed RB1 in terms of carries, there's nothing wrong with him starting the game as the RB1. But if they want to give him the majority of the snaps, then it's going to be the same. Now, if they go to an RBBC, running back by committee, divide the reps, I think I think the effectiveness of the run game will go up. But if it stays the same, let's go ahead and feature Dalvin Cook. It's going to be stagnant the rest of the way. Nothing's going to matter.
1: So we are in the middle of Kirktober. It's October 17th as we record this podcast. And by the way, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment right here in this Purple Daily YouTube channel. Subscribe to Realistic Randy's YouTube channel as well for Vikings Entertainment there. Um, the passing attack for the Vikings... They are averaging 242 yards through the air, which is about 16 yards more than the NFL average team. Now, there are some bad quarterbacks here uh, in the NFL. We're seeing that on on display almost week in, week out. But the Vikings, as a team, even though Kirk's having a down statistical year for what Kirk Cousins is used to, they're still passing more than, than the league average team. Do you feel that Kirk Cousins and this Vikings offense starts taking the top off the defense even more, and starts putting up even more gaudy passing yards as they get more comfortable in Kevin O'Connell's offense.
0: Yes, I do. I think that that's up to Kevin O'Connell. As long as he gets more aggressive in his play calling, the goodness, the run, run pass, defense, 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 they did. I think that was their second possession. That was pathetic. There was also later in the game when it was getting close when Teddy Bridgewater had the Dolphins roaring back. There was the third down play where Adam Thielen did an automatic leak out to the left, tried to go short. Well, not even tried to go, went short of the sticks and he got caught when it's like, yo, these guys can't guard these receivers. Even Adam Thielen at his age now, he's still effective. K.J. Osborne was not impressive yesterday, but you still have the talent on this team to take the top off of any defense in the league. And I think as long as Kevin O'Connell recognizes that he's in his first year, give him some time. The play calling is key for him. And if that goes alongside with Kirk Cousins getting better, I think the passing attack is going to get much better than where it is right now.
1: Yeah, me too. I just he has like,
0: no choice but to.
1: Yeah, it exactly. it's trending in the right direction. And even if um, you know, guys like Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne haven't, you know, maybe got their yards that we were kind of projecting to get. Justin Jefferson put up, yeah. To your point out the top of the show, the quietest 100 yard receiving game I have ever seen him play, and that's that's the like that's the floor of his game. The floor yeah. of his game was, was a was a quote unquote unnoticeable game, and the dude still was able to get over 100 yards. Um, and that's just because they feature him a lot. They're going to put the ball in his hands all the time. I mean, the guy. I love the passing play to Dalvin Cook two weeks ago, getting creative there, which was awesome to see. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I love the trickery. In fact, like that's what I would like to see. Um, I want to see them get a little bit more creative in those in those unique situations. So I think even watching the Vikings, you know, kick long field goals and yeah, they punted eleven times or ten times yesterday. I would like to see Kevin O'Connell be a little bit more aggressive. He's not yeah. he's not being aggressive for the sake of it. So there's definitely some calculations there, and I'm sure hey, I know actually that he's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I'm not gonna pretend that I know what he's doing all the time. But I was I am a little surprised through six games that he hasn't shown um, the, not fortitude, but the ability to go for it all the time. Like it seems NFL coaches are just doing more. De- you know, nowadays, Zach Taylor goes for it a lot. Um, you know, John Harbaugh has always gone for it a uh, The Harba- Harbaugh has always gone for it a lot. There's been so many different coaches that have shown the need to go for it a lot. And so far, conservatively, Kevin O'Connell hasn't been that guy. He's been more the person that trusts his special teams. And I wonder if Greg Joseph, who has struggled this year, Uh, that's going to change a little bit more when they're on the plus side of the field.
0: You have no choice but to basically go for it because you can't accept any sort of field goal that's beyond 45 yards. You have to expect that Greg Joseph, he's going to miss it. If he makes it, it's a bonus. But with this offense, Kevin O'Connell, I don't even blame them for the lack of going for it on fourth down because the communication, there seems to be, I'm not going to say a riff, but there seems to be some sort of just something's not all the way there with Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell right now. You saw at times he was frustrated. They both were frustrated going towards the sideline. So I think if Kirk Cousins is already mentally out of it for that drive, why put him in there again for fourth down when, especially if the run game is going to be ineffective the way that it has been. Everything's just not clicking on all cylinders for this team right now. But as the season goes on, things are going to improve primarily with this offense, I think that's when you're going to see a more aggressive play calling Kevin O'Connell, which includes going for it on fourth down. Because yeah, listen, man, Greg Joseph is just not even a factor for me anymore. Even when you're scoring touchdowns, you have to say, hey man, we may have to go for two 50% of the time because he's just not a reliable kicker. So I think because of that and the lack of the run game, you're going to have to be by default more aggressive in the passing game because nothing else is really complementing the rest of the offense.
1: Randy, as we kind of come to a close here uh, on this episode, is there, is there anything that you want to see from this Vikings team as, as, after we get out of the bye week on the offensive side, on the defensive side, philosophy-wise, or even just individual player um, that maybe hasn't lived up to expectations or you think there's more of Is there someone, that, someone or something that you're looking forward to seeing after the Vikings get out of their bye week?
0: You know what, man? I was against this for a while, but I'm with it now. I've done a complete 180 turn. I think the Vikings should go back to a 4-3 defense. Hmm. I think they should. And the reason, the reason why I was so against it is because Z'Darrius Smith, his frame, like he's better off as an outside linebacker working in space. But, man, yesterday, yo, against the Dolphins, there were plenty of times where he had his hand in the dirt and launched off the line of scrimmage and the initial clash with the offensive tackles. He was creating pressure. So I was just before I'm like I don't know if he can really handle working in the trenches like that. He's the guy that to me needed to load up in speed to then charge the offensive tackle. But what I saw yesterday, I'm convinced that he can be in every down lineman. So if that is the case, if that was the only hiccup there, putting Daniel Hunter as a down lineman again in a 4-3, that's where he's at his best, and my god, that's going to change everything because at least you can get consistent pressure on the quarterback to where even if the secondary is still, if you want to do the shell defense crap, whatever, I don't care. You want to keep doing that, whatever. But if you can at least create consistent pressure on the quarterback, I think the 4-3 base is the way to go. And in doing so, man, you can still have Eric Kendricks out there. You can have Patrick Jones and DJ Wanham rotate and Brian Asamoah out there. Jordan Hicks, of course, he'll be out there as well. But I think you have to go back to a 4-3 base defense. I think that would change everything. I don't think he's going to do it at Donatel, but right. I think that's the way they should go.
1: Yeah, they, they've seen to figure out ways to put Daniel Hunter's hand in the dirt more. I mean, I know the guy's a freak yes. athlete, and he can probably do a, lot, uh, do a lot of things that we don't see to the naked eye that aren't just sacks and pressures that he can still be a contributor on that defense, but the guy's too good of a player to be sacrificing dropbacks for not getting yeah. after the quarterback. And I think that's that's what I've noticed with this Vikings defense. All right, they're going to play the shell. They're going to play off because they don't have the personnel or the speed necessary to keep up with other NFL offenses. I get that, but then it leaves you room to get burned. And just with the amount of missed tackles they have in open space, I mean, it just seems like the Vikings, too, like on third and longs, just historically struggle on getting off the field. And there there was at least two to three big conversions yesterday, and that's why other teams have been going for it on fourth down a lot against the Vikings because they find themselves in fourth and manageable after they had them in third and long. So I just tighten up some things there, getting more pressure after the quarterback. I think that's also honestly what I'm looking for too, man. I mean, the offense is the offense, and I'm just going to gonna give it... The benefit of the doubt as time goes on, that it it, it will just get even better and get and, and improve more and more. So I'm I'm not really going to focus too much a nitpick on the Vikings' offense, but that defense, if they can get more creative with the pressure rates and just not miss open tackles and be a sieve on third down, that's all I'm asking for on the Vikings' defense, too. Man. And
0: and what would yield more results on the defensive line, Declan Goff, Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, and Jonathan Bullard, or? Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, Zaydares Smith, and Daniel Hunter. Right, it, it's a no brainer. Yeah. come on, man.
1: Yeah, I would, I would say even if they don't switch, you know, the base up, at least yeah, run, run the four three a little bit more. Like, r- just, just, just run it a little bit more in in, in key situations. Um, the Vikings, we, you and I were just nerding out at the beginning of this, you know, um, podcast collaboration that you and I've been doing about how great the Vikings' defensive lines have always historically been, and the last few years it's just it's lackluster because they can't stop the run, and it's just it doesn't put fear in the other team anymore yeah get back to that I mean on paper what you just said those four down linemen defensively that'd scare me if I was an opposing offense I don't Seriously. want to run up that I don't want to have to deal with that just trying try to be a, be mobile and get after the get out of the pocket no way I don't want to do that at all it will
0: change everything
1: all right Randy any other uh, final thoughts here my man before we wrap up and talk next week
0: they're five and one couldn't be happier there's room to grow but you know what there's nothing to bitch and moan about. In terms of the overall scale, they're yeah. five and one. There are teams that are struggling right now, and thank God it's not the Vikings. They're looking pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's honestly something I was telling Judd the day. I was like, I'm not really gonna come on here and be completely upset that the Vikings, you know, defense has been a sieve, that their kicking hasn't been great, um, that Kirk's not up to a great year statistically that he's used to having. Like they're five and one. Like so, I'll, right. I'll I'll take I'll take the loose change here and yeah, clean some things up get better in certain areas. I'm not trying to say you can be like that throughout the course of the whole regular season, but you're 5-1, and one, man. You don't have to apologize for these wins by any means, so I'm excited. All right, next week, Randy and I are probably going to pick this schedule, so now we're going to do our another record prediction this time oh, next boy. week. Some other bye week I'm sure, observations that we notice noticed around the league and some other things around the Vikings in general. Uh, hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment. This is Purple Daily. We want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. Stick around this YouTube channel, too, for this evening. Uh, before we die with Jesse Pierce, Thor Nystrom, Ross Brendel. Also go check out our hottest, strongest take from the main show of Purple Daily that's also posted on this podcast feed and YouTube channel.